We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast. Another episode, our second episode of rom-com month as always we are brought to you by blue wire podcast and our big screen sports patreon group especially our producer level big chill patrons that is aaron figueroa mike schubert steve rogers kevin frost mike d ryan yeager mike Dries, james kowalewski chris mikoski and andrew teagle big thanks to them and all of our big screen sports patreon group like i said uh we are here second episode of rom-com month alex mcdaniel's back Talking it, talking an interesting one. Actually, was about to say a great one. We're talking an interesting one. Sleeping with other people. Let's kick it to me and Alex. All right, joining me for our second week of rom com month. As always, it is my co-host Alex McDaniel of For the Win. Alex, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you, Kyle? I couldn't be better. Excited to be talking rom coms with you again this week and all month. We have we have quite the slate coming out this month and if you people want to know what the slate is and who the other the other guests are that are joining us later in the month join the patreon because i'm not going to tell you uh but alex all the content and for the win what's going on at for the win all the content it's well it's gonna, gonna be post super bowl by the time you all hear this but we probably have tons of great post super bowl content head over ftw.usatoday.com we got all the stuff all the stuff at, <laughs> at for the win everyone go check it out Alex, I want to dive right in because this is a movie that you've been on me to see for a while. No, can we can we pause for a second? Like, I'm starting to really come to terms with the fact that I bully people into watching what I <laughs> I hate that about me. Like, I bullied you into this. We know how I am about Ted Lasso. It's probably the only reason you even knew who I was because I wouldn't shut up about it. Do I have a problem? Do I ha- let's just let's let's get real. I think you're doing people a favor, especially with Ted Lasso, because like you're <laughs> spreading joy. Winner. That's true. You're spreading joy with that show. That's uh, true. Th- this one, you're spreading. Di- they're spreading different things. This is a different vibe. <laughs> this is uh, a lot of different things. This, this is part. if our precious Ted Lasso taught a woman to masturbate with a bottle of Snapple. 
uh, something that something that I don't think would happen. Tonight, we're talking about Sleeping with Other People, the 2015 rom-com, a good-natured womanizer and a serial cheater form a platonic relationship that helps reform them in ways while mutual attraction sets in. It starred Jason Sudeikis and Allison Brie. It was written and directed by Leslie Headland, and it has a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Leslie Headland, she, in an interview with The Wrap, said that her elevated pitch for this movie was like when Harry met Sally for assholes. Alex, this is a movie you love. <laughs> a movie I love. And uh, it is very appropriate that we're doing it after when Harry met Sally, because yes, I, I will say, and I watch, I think the first time I watched it was 2016. So I was like there in the beginning. I, you know, over the years, my opinion has changed, not of the movie, but just my perspective of it all. I think when I first watched it, I was like, oh, charming rom-com to watch it today is to be like, wow, I've got to accept a lot of shit and be like, that didn't age well, but the rest of this is good. So I don't yeah. know if it's the best. I wouldn't recommend it outright, but if you're into When Harry Met Sally with Assholes, this is the movie for you. See, like you said, we did Her- When Harry Met Sally last week, and that is the the most recent rom-com I've watched. Obviously, I did my rewatch for the When Harry Met Sally pod, and then I watched this. I I am going to give this another watch at some point, without when Harry met Sally in mind, because it is, it's impossible to connect the dots on that. And they're two very similar, but very different movies. Yeah. And you're right in that, you know, it, it's a 20, a 2010s rom-com. And I think not just this one, but a lot of the rom-coms that kind of, we had that, like the golden age, that nineties heyday, kind of starting with when Harry met Sally in 89 and, you know, the Nora Ephron stuff and, and all those, it kind of, I don't want to say like got more crude, but in a lot of ways, like 2010s rom-coms, I feel like are more crude. They, they take more chances. Yeah. I think, I mean, I can't stand Sudeikis in this one. I used to find this movie charming. So that's, I guess that's the point I'm making is like Ted Lasso, (laughs) man, we got into it like 30 seconds in until we mentioned it, but it's relevant. Ted Lasso definitely changed my view of Sudeikis. I think as a person, I always liked him. I always thought he was funny. But I think that show has a way of endearing you to like, obviously it's character, but I also think that's like, there's a sweetness to him. This movie is like if Ted Lasso just suddenly decided to not care about anyone and to justify all of his bad behavior by saying, oh, well, I'm damaged and I have a huge problem with that. This is a terrible way to start this podcast. All right, let's get into well, it. <laughs> let's well think about who he was. Like so, 2015 Sudeikis. Like he's coming off the SNL run, but a lot of the characters that we know him for, that we like him for at that point, are that kind of maybe not to this extent, but that kind of dickhead. Like yes. we're the Millers. He's the same kind of guy. Um, horrible yep. bosses. He's he's kind of a he's kind of shitty. Um, Hall pass kind of shitty. He's, he's the shittier of, of him and Owen Wilson's friendship in that movie. Even his, like his SNL characters, like on weekend update, he's the devil. He's like the the frat (laughs) bro guy. Like he, that's, that's, this is kind of how he made his money is he is so charming and, and likable in ways that even when he does the worst stuff, we're going to root for him in this movie. He does some, some real bad stuff. And then like, Three years later, he's Ted Lasso, so he's he's just he's perfect now. He's he's yes. randomly like he's off singing like a candle in the wind or whatever, like just doing random performances <laughs> with his mustache and stuff. So like all is forgiven. 
as long as the mustache is on today because it's good like we'll forgive him for anything i do think it's interesting it's one of those movies again and i know i alluded to this or maybe directly mentioned it a lot last week it's uh, i think rom-coms like this or, or like this in general though wherever you are in your life in terms of your relationship status is kind of how you respond to rom-coms like whether you like them whether you don't like them i think when i first watched this i was in a very dysfunctional place and at least I can look back on that now and be like, okay, yeah, the, no wonder I like, I found comfort in this. I still love it now, but I love it with the context of like, I was probably a little messed up seven years ago, you know? <laughs> well, it's legitimately <laughs> funny, but it's not the same as a, when Harry met Sally, where you just no. you feel warm and good for almost all that movie. Yeah. Because even though Harry is complicated, like Jason just sucks a lot of the time. I need to like, okay. So Jake, Jake, I think it's such a generic name, but it's fine. Um, so Jake is complicated because his whole thing, and there's a whole scene about this and I'm not trying to disrupt your flow. I just want to make this point where like throughout the movie, he's like, when I get involved with somebody and I realize I don't like them, I have to ruin it rather than just telling them I don't like them, which is the cruelest thing you can possibly do. It's the meanest thing you can do to somebody. It's just let me burn it down rather than saying, hey, I think we jumped into it too quickly. This isn't right for me. No, he ruins it by cheating and trying to make himself look like a hero for doing it. You know? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. being said, Hall of Fame all-star starter or, or bench warmer rom-com for you. Oh, God. Like all-star? Bro, I'm not going to say Hall of Fame because I really do. I don't put it in the same... I love it. Don't get me wrong. I've probably watched it more than When Harry Met Sally and all the rest of the movies I love. Definitely. But I don't think it's it's not a When Harry Met Sally level. All star. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crude When Harry Met Sally. For this one, for me, it's a starter. This has it has aspects that and, and little changes, which we'll get into at the end that I think if they would have made those, it's like a solid all star for me. Yeah, there's there's I and I, I think and we kind of say this often in the podcast. I think this is one that if it gets made five years later after we've kind of had and like Jacqueline pointed this out, like kind of after the 2016 election, like that kind of reckoning yes. with how with how we go about things and with how people talk to each other. Mm -hmm. um, really like, you know, what Ted Lasso does perfectly is how people should, you know, should talk to each other and that we can still couples can still talk about sex and have arguments and, and do that thing, but still be in it from a very healthy place. Um, I, I think it'd be really interesting to see what this one is, but it does have some incredible performances, <laughs> just a cast of like, Hey, Kyle, do you love these 10 people? I, I do. I do I mean, love these a, 10 people. It's one of those, if the casting were different, I never would have invested in this. I would no. not still be watching it. It would have been one of those that I caught like late on a Saturday night after a box of wine, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But like, you get Jason Sudeikis, or Jason Sudeikis, you get Jason Manzukis. I got that right. Um, Andrea Savage, Allison Brie. Who else? Um, uh, Amanda Adam Peach. Scott. Adam it's like the, the, <sighs> the pyramid. If it was a pyramid, it's like, Hey, you got these two leads. You know, it's Jason Sudeikis <laughs> and Al Allison Brie. Like, oh, that's that's great. Hey, you know who uh, Allison Brie's best friend is? That's Natasha Leone. Oh my God, I love her. You know who Jason Sudeikis' best friend is? It's Jason Manzukis. You know who his wife is? It's Andrew Savage. You know who their boss is? It's Amanda Pete. Like, uh -huh. it's just like 
everyone's good. I know, which I think carries it, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, like <laughs> definitely hindsight being 2020, I think that has a lot to do with it. And it's funny. And I think some parts are really well written. And I think there is a certain time in your life. It doesn't happen at a certain age. But again, I think everyone is in one of these situations and they display them all in the movie and they do it through Alison Breen. I think it's brilliant. So you have Sudeikis, which is to Alison Brie, it's like the guy you're super compatible with, but for whatever reason, you've decided like, we're just going to be friends because if we complicate it, it's when Harry met Sally, if we complicate it with the sex, so, and then you have the Adam Scott relationship. So Alison Brie has been in love with his character. Um, what's his name? God. Oh, his uh, Adam Scott's He's got the, it's, one of the more interesting character names. So it is, uh, oh, where'd it go? God, it, so he's Matthew, but I, it's Matthew, the, yes. the last name is like, it's like something. Sobacek. It's like, Sobacek. Sobacek. So very interesting, like specific character name. Exactly. So she knows him in college. He's a grad student. She's an undergrad. She becomes obsessed with him. She becomes obsessed because he doesn't make time for her. So he's not like particularly attractive or sexy. And that's the setup. That's the first scene of the movie. And again, I'm sorry if I'm hijacking the format, but like, I'm just trying to explain that part is like, it's not that he's incredible. And they went out of their way to make Adam Scott very ugly and not ugly, but like unattractive in this movie. They gave him a terrible mustache. They made him just boring, but clearly we're supposed to see him as like the one who didn't pay her attention. So that's why she's obsessed. And then you have this one scene with a God, I need to write names down. What's his face from the OC? What's his name? Oh, uh, Adrian, Adam Brody. Adam Brody. I almost said Adrian Brody too. Adrian. So Adam this Brody. This movie, had, if they if they would have put Adrian Brody in this movie, like it's a whole thing. Like <laughs> there's only so much I can handle. This is like Sundance level. So she's dating Adam Brody in the beginning. And he's just the guy who's probably really nice, but he doesn't listen to her and he talks over her and she's trying to tell him, I've got a sex addiction. I've I've cheated on you. (laughs) It's one of the best scenes in the movie because I do think he hears about her, but he's one of those guys who hasn't matured enough to know, like, just shut up and listen to her. Like, I think he did care, but just, you know, and then you have that great line. He's like, how many, how many times have you cheated on me? 16. I don't even know 16 guys. He's going for it too. They told him, Adam, you have one scene. You got to make it count. Cheated on me. (sighs) Baby, how many times? 16? I don't even know 16 guys. 16 guys. No, the same guy. 16 times. I mean, it did. And I'm, again, I'm not going to jump ahead anymore. But my point of saying all that is they did a great job of showing through her those types of relationships and then showing through Jason, not only his like superficial, I just want you for sex and then I want you to leave kind of things, but also when he develops a relationship with Amanda Pete, which mind you, again, as I got older, like she's the single mom with the kids. She can't be messing around with some sorry about this, but you have it ranked explicit on Apple podcasts, some fuck boy. Yeah. And he screws her over and screws them over. And like, it just doesn't sit well with my soul anymore, but let's dive in. (laughs) I mean, this is going to be a big time justice for Amanda Pete and her child. Who's the kid from Ozark. 
Uh, big time, <laughs> big time justice for Amanda Pete in this one. IMDb trivia, the only thing I want to touch on, you know, I love casting stuff. The only yes. real casting thing in there was Kristen Dunst was attached, but had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. I am assuming that's in the Allison Brie role. Gotta be, right? Yeah. Kristen Dunst, who just got her first, uh, is it, is it Kirsten or Kirsten? I'm, I'm second guessing myself. I think it's Kirsten, but I, I think it's I, Kirsten Dunst. I wouldn't bet on it. So. Yeah, but just got her first Oscar nomination for uh, Power of the Dog today, Whoa. day we're recording. You know um, who else got a nomination? Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield did get a nomination. The, the best, the best guy. And he's working hard for that nomination. Um, so she's attached. I it's wild. I didn't know that. I think she'd be good. I really like Kirsten Dunst. Like, I, sure. I think that would have been good. I would have thrown out. So that that was one that would have subbed out for Allison Brie. What if Dave Franco is Jason Sudeikis? Ew, Jake. No, really? It, it, no, and here's why. James Franco and Kirsten Dunst. Okay, I just watched the Spider-Man movies for the first time a week ago, and he's a creep. Kirsten Dunst didn't like her character very much. I can't see her like with a Franco. So now if you take it out and you say, okay, Alison Brie married a Franco. She did marry a Franco. I'm just having a hard time reconciling that. Cause I love Alison Brie. I watched that video that everyone watched last week about the mask. Did you watch that? How you proposed to her? Oh yes. Yes. And yeah. Mar- with the Mardi Gras mask. Yeah. I just, I can't get over James Franco being a creep enough to accept Dave as a person. That's, that's a bummer. <laughs> Because I think I think Dave Franco could have actually done this. Did, Maybe he, not the same. Him and Jason canceled? Sudeikis are, are very different. No, he has not been canceled. Okay, so he hasn't done any wrongdoing? No, he's just the, the biggest. I mean, he's just James Franco's brother. Okay, well, that's my biggest issue. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree. I do love watching stars who are actually together, which is why I just made the comment about Andrew Garfield. It's like, I love him and Emma Stone together. So like, yeah, I could see it. But I, Sudeikis, he just has... He has the charm of like an attractive, funny guy who's still attainable. The Francos are still kind of polished and pretty. Mm-hmm. is while being very attractive, I could totally like bump into him at the grocery store. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would, I would be like, whoa, but I wouldn't be like, what are you doing? That would be normal to me. He's still got that every guy kind of thing. I don't know if I can say the same about Dave Franco. The one thing Dave Franco could have done and diving into best scenes, starting off with the first scene of the movie, is Dave Franco could have been a passable college student, as he was a passable high school student in 21 Jump Street, because we talked about last week how Billy Crystal was the oldest-looking college student ever. I would like to amend that, as Jason Sudeikis was the oldest-looking college student in the world. And he was, I believe, I believe he was 35, 36 when this was filmed. So, like, yeah. that, you know, and he's not, like, a young-looking dude. I just love uh, that they gave him bangs. They were like, that's the answer. So that scene, the scene where they they meet, those are the two most confident versions I've ever seen. Like the way they're talking to each other and, yeah. and being casual about sex, and like Jason yes. Sudeikis is way he's way too comfortable for a guy who who hasn't had sex. Like as someone who spent a large portion of his life being a guy who hadn't had sex, like <laughs> just like he was too smooth, he was too he was too comfortable. Like that that's just not how it works because like. He's got this like gift from the gods of this this random, you know, hot chick banging on the door on his at his hallway. He kind of saves her from a little embarrassment. They're hanging out, they're vibing, and that happens. Like they're they were both just like a little I mean, just way too out there. 
I agree. I mean, obviously she passes and as a college student, <laughs> like they, <laughs> I can't get over how their only attempt to make him look younger was the hair. Like and the just, uh, Jurassic five shirt. <laughs> shirt like just give him that. And like she walks in, he's got porn on his monitors, like his whole setup. And then even when they're on the roof and you know, it's a funny scene where she's like, describe sex to me. And he's like, it's like a hug. <laughs> you know, I mean, it reminds me of 40 year old virgin though. Right. And bag and, of sand. Yeah. It's bag of sand. <laughs> oh, you're nailing me. Cool. <laughs> so, but again, that was 40 year old virgin. And I felt like I was back there. So yeah, that was probably the least already skipping ahead. That's the least realistic part of the movie. I would say, cause he just looks no younger at all. It's just there. Yeah. Uh, the next scene I've got is the the biggest ode, I think, to when Harry met Sally, besides just the general plot, is the the text montage when they're yes. they're instead of the watching Casablanca, they're texting and it but it does the same thing in Harry Met Sally. It builds a relationship, creates that chemistry. The one my caveat with that is in Harry Met Sally, we see them talking about random things and with with Jake and Laney. Most of the time, we only see them talking about sex, but then their whole thing is like mousetrap. We can't, can't be, can't have sex, can't whatever. But that's all we're gonna talk about. I would have liked, especially the text montage, to kind of mix something up and be like, you know, hey, we're talking about other things going on. Why didn't you go to med school? Because I don't think we ever got that. Did we ever get the answer of why she didn't go to med school and why she became a teacher? No. Uh, I don't think so. And I might be wrong about that. I need to go back and watch. One of the biggest things that bothers me in this movie, when with when Harry met Sally, we didn't mean to make it a comparison, but here we are, folks. If you watch, if you listened last week, great. Um, at least it made sense. They go from this road trip to not seeing each other for a few years, to not seeing each other for a few more years. When they meet again, they're getting out of really bad breakups, right? Now, in this movie, yeah, they're getting out of breakups. I wouldn't say bad breakups. It's funny. They meet in sex therapy. Um, there's no logical reason for why they don't try to date. Like she even thinks it's a date and he leaves. He's like, oh, okay, let's just, let's go on a date. He takes her on a date and then they leave and he's like, oh no, I want to have sex with you. And she's like, what? No, what are you talking about? You literally said you wanted to date again. He said, I will take you on a date. And then both of you are saying like, oh, we can't have sex. Because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's not logical. Yeah. There's no compelling reason why they cannot get together at that moment. Yeah, yeah. It's, I you, you don't want to, going into this movie, like you don't want to totally rip off there's something about Mary and do every beat. Sure. And like these two, these two characters can still have their rough edges because there's definite, there's definite things that set them would set them apart from Harry and Sally regardless. Um, it's, it's just that they make their entire relationship about sex, but not having sex. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the biggest hang up when you, when you watch it, especially a week after watching when Harry met Sally, but like the the next scene I had listed was the panic attack in the park, which is almost for me, it's almost perfect until the end when he says like mousetrap or or whatever. But yeah. and so with the panic attack, she gets the phone call from Matthew, and it's the first thing that we see Jake do, and we kind of see them talking about where it's like, I understand you on more than just this like very topical, like you're horny, I'm horny level. It's like he understands 
he's not stopping her from taking that phone call because he doesn't want her to get back with her, I guess, sort of ex. He's stopping her because he knows this isn't good for her. It's not healthy for her. And he sees her like having a panic attack and he gets defensive when the guy comes up and is like, you know, what, you know, what's going on? Is this guy, whatever. And he's like, my wife, you know, has panic attacks, like fuck off or whatever he says. Like he gets defensive in, in a way it shows caring. Um, that was until they get to the bench and he says mousetrap and brings sexual stuff back into it. It's, it was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, as far as them, like they, you know, at least Jake at that point, like has legitimate care for, for Laney. It's one of the, the first real things they show. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, I think it totally, it ruins it, but I guess I understand if I'm the writer, like you think that's going to bring it back. But again, when you don't have real motive for why you're not having sex, that's just very loosely hanging over all the real stuff. And there's a lot of good stuff in the movie, but yeah, like clearly Matthew did a number on her and you know, there's a scene before this, before she meets up with Jake again, where she breaks up with Adam Brody after that scene. And the first thing she does is text Matthew, despite the fact she knows we don't know it yet, but he's with someone else. And she's having, she's hyperventilating in the moment he says, where are you? Or whatever he says, she calms down. So it was brilliant in explaining, like, this isn't a matter of just, oh, I'm kind of hung up on my ex. He's controlled her for a long time. And then that plays itself out when she goes to his office and God, Adam Scott, I love you, but you just look so creepy with your hair and your mustache and you're a gynecologist and make sure it makes it so much worse. I texted you this. He reminds me of Anton Chigurh from uh, No Country for Old Men. I don't know. I've never seen that. So No Country for Old Men. That is Javier Bardem's character who I I believe there's something like he is the most realistic sociopath ever portrayed on film. Yeah. Um, And and, uh, Adam Scott gives me a lot of those vibes. Adam Scott is so interesting in his range in that like around Mm. this time, he's wrapping up playing Ben Wyatt, who is (laughs) as endearing a character as you could possibly you know as you could possibly find like adam scott's range is just unbeatable um the next scene i've got is the birthday party i thought i was gonna hate it when oh, they really? sh- when they're like do you want to take molly and go to the birthday party i'm like oh fuck like and that, that might be the parent <laughs> thing in me of like it oh, is god damn it like around kids like no that it might be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Like you always need a child wrangler at a birthday party. You need yes. someone to take control. And like Allison Brie does that. Does she take off her shirt in front of the kids? Yeah. Uh, but, but it's really okay. like the birthday is really good. You get uh Manzukis and Savage, like their kind of commentary on it. Really, really fun. Enjoyed that. I think unfortunately for them, it, it violates the number one rule of parenting. Never have a party for like a birthday party at your own house. Never ever do it. And don't ever invite friends who might take Molly. No. Yeah. (laughs) Don't parenting. That's the thing that I think movies get a little differently. They're like, there's always, there's, there's this trope of like, you've, you know, you've, you've settled down, you've had kids, whatever, but you still got your crazy friends and you'll invite them to be around your kid and you'll invite them to the birthday parties and stuff like you don't invite those friends to no, the, the parties and stuff like that. Like those people just don't catch those invites. You, you hang out. If you still keep up with those friends, you hang out with them on your own time. You don't invite them to the kids stuff. Cause you just know better. Yeah. I, I think the last time I invited my friends to Jack's birthday, it was like five years ago when we went to Chuck E. Cheese in Birmingham 
I don't know if you've ever had an adult party at Chuck E. Cheese, but they have beer and wine at some places. Yes. But they only let you get two an hour. Do you know about that rule? I did not know about that rule. That's smart, though. But it's very smart. But when your friends get a little rowdy about it, where they're like, oh, man, it's like maybe we just shouldn't do this anymore. Like this party is not about all of you coming together. I can meet with you on our own time. But I do think it was a brilliant way of ushering in a lot of things. So, again, it's showing throughout the movie. These people are very compatible. Same as when Harry met Sally. What when Harry met Sally, what that showed us was you don't need constant sexual tension to show that you can mm. just have compatibility. Most of sleeping with other people is all about sexual tension. This really wasn't. This was like they're friends. They have fun together. They make sense in the way. I would have they- loved much more of that because that does, yes. that comes after the I just want to spend time with my best friend before she moves to Michigan kind of thing. And that's really the only time we see them like spent, they go on the boat ride and like they show up to the party and they've bought some stuff and stuff like that. Like I, that's what I needed more of with this couple. Like we established 30 minutes prior, these people would like to fuck each other. We need the, you know, we need, they can go to like a, you know, go out shopping together and do ridiculous things. And like, again, we're just tying it back to Harry Met Sally. We need them. Jacqueline, I said this, we need them at the Met. We need them to do something Mm -hmm. like that. We do. And so you have like the best buy scene or whatever. That's kind of like trying to imitate that. And like, she's buying lingerie, but again, it's all about sex and he's got to control himself. You have the infamous orgasm scene where first of all, like it's such a trope. And I'm not saying it's not true for anybody. So whatever. I'm, I just find it very hard to believe that a woman in her late 20s, early 30s is like, oh, I don't masturbate. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Like, maybe I'm just wrong. But I, I also have- don't doubt the audacity of a man to tell a woman how she how should masturbate. But I also doubt that that guy would know what, like, come Here's on. Here's my issue and we might get some reader response on this the way he teaches her is wrong the way he teaches her is if he's doing it a the way he shows her a woman cannot replicate what he's doing because it's reversed right and that's my biggest issue (laughs) like i know we're not on that scene yet but i'm sorry this is this was made in 2015 i'm vibrators have been around We all, this is not an age where women are sitting around like, oh, I guess if I don't have a boyfriend, I won't have an orgasm. That's bullshit. Especially this woman. This woman is, she's getting hers. This woman is masturbating. We can be definitive about that. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. It's bullshit. And especially a woman like her going to med school is not going to sit there and listen to a man take a green tea bottle and show her how to make herself come. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I will say it shocked us that a woman wrote this. Was very surprised. I that, know. That a, that, a, that a woman wrote that scene. Um, on like completely opposite note, after the birthday party, the um, what I think is, is probably the most beautiful moment between these two is after she's she's gone to the party with her date, the dad, <sighs> From uh from Summer Catch, shout out Summer Catch. Um, <laughs> Christmas. Finds out, yeah, finds out that uh, Matthew is having is having a baby. You know, freaks out. Uh, Jake has had sex with Paula, gone on his date with Paula, and we'll just 
we'll just ignore that. But they come, they come back. And I think the best choice this movie made was I was deathly afraid that they were about to have sex after she was sad about finding this news about Matthew. Yeah. I was like, I was like, no, no. Cause he definitely hasn't showered post what he just did. <laughs> I was like, this cannot be the first time about that bigger, right? And they, they lay down on that, that bed and the, the, I love you for free. I was like, did this, did this movie just do something that made me like no. feel that felt sweet and good? Like it is very, a very tender moment. What are we going to do about it? What do you want to do? a tender moment so fun fact i'm not gonna i have my whole setup here i would move it around to show you i have a little sign above my desk that says i love you for free how about that it's it's my and it was gonna be whenever we got to like the best quote but i think we can both agree this is off the rails at this point like i I love you for free is so powerful and here's why and i'm not gonna cry but i might cry we talk about unrequited love oh i don't mean you and i i mean like society you know, when you're a teenager, it's so strong, right? You all, you have crushes on people and you just want them to love you back. And uh, Brandy's song, Have You Ever? Remember that banger? Yeah, was, that's, that's a while. Have you that's ever loved back. someone so much it made you cry? Like even love stories and love songs, everything that we think about relationships, there is this idea of, isn't it the saddest thing in the world when you love someone and they don't feel the same way? And so this scene, you know, and I love the music in it. It reminds me of a um, social network. Did you notice that by the way, it's very tense strings. I didn't know. I, I didn't notice, but I, I do need to give a rewatch and I'll be thinking about that. Cause like, that, yeah. Cause it's like very amazing. I know it's tense, low strings. And it's like, cause it could happen at any moment. They're facing each other in bed and I, and I, I could get this wrong. Forgive me. And she's like, do we love each other? Or are we in love with each other? And he just nods. And she says, what are we going to do about it? And like, Jesus Christ, first of all, because wow. But then he's like, and I think it's bullshit, but I love the idea of what he says. Nothing because I love you for free. Meaning I love you and I don't expect anything back from you, um, which I don't think is entirely true, but that's another, we'll get onto that. Um, but the idea of that, of like, it can be unrequited, but it doesn't mean it's suffering. Sometimes in life, you just accept like, I love you. And I've accepted that I may never get that in return from you. I'm okay with it. I love you for free. And I just think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And that's why I have it on my thing. It keeps me from being bitter, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, you, whatever works, <laughs> whatever works. With whatever that, works, Alex. <laughs> with that one, it's like, it's a beautiful moment. It's just at that point, again, I don't know what's keeping them, what's keeping them from getting together. And he gets with Paula and like, I, you know, you and I have talked about this many times before. I'm very sensitive for a single parent to date at all is Mm -hmm. scary as hell. Mm -hmm. You have to be so guarded. And I realize this is just a movie, but again, she says from the beginning, I'm divorced and I have a kid. And 
He's like, I love kids. I am a kid. When you bring someone into your life, it's not the same as dating someone when you're a single person. When it's just you, you can be an idiot. You can date the person who's like, oh, they're kind of a piece of shit. Not when you bring them into your kid's life. That's heavy and that's weighted. And it doesn't always mean you're going to marry them. Don't get me wrong, but it's just, it's saying you've accepted that if you're dating me, you're also, you're not dating much. You know what I mean? You've accepted that I'm a, I'm a package deal. I am always going to have a problem with the end of this movie for that reason. Cause like, well, let's yes. talk about the restaurant brawl too. We'll roll into that. Yes. We'll roll into that. Ugh. But like Amanda Pete finally lets her guard down. And of course, like she doesn't need to be dating her employee, but whatever. Still, it takes a lot for a single parent to do that. They go out. Yeah, they HR che- didn't approve this movie. HR was not cool with it. They have cheap tequila. They go back to her place or his place. I don't know. And they have some pretty hot sex. I and mean, it's a hot scene. It's a scene without being gratuitous, which I love. Mm-hmm. Knowing he's in love with his best friend and he has no real reason not to date her. Yeah. There's no real reason, but I'm sorry. Like they're in New York. Oh no, you're going to Michigan. That's not that far away. I looked it up. It's only, it's a 10 hour drive. You can stop in Pittsburgh halfway. Exactly. And who doesn't love Pittsburgh, Kyle? The Yinzers. Go say hi to them. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm derailing this whole thing. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's it's what we'll, it, we go. It goes into, you mentioned, I mean, the end of this movie, I guess the, the restaurant, brawl is just like a huge hey what the fuck man like things were i mean jake has a very self-destructive personality like the the end for him i guess we see it seems to work out but it's i mean it's one of the most like unhinged i don't are we really supposed to feel good about but what he did like does adam scott does that adam scott's character piece of shit gigantic objectively terrible awful awful guy but like jake went and ruined he ruined that mother's you know i mean you 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 take it (laughs) well i hate like and mind you i promise we do not pick these movies based on like my own therapy sessions it's just (laughs) these movies kind of come into my life i mean in this totally different situation, totally different because this was not love at all. But like three years ago, I started, was it three? Yeah, it was 2019. Started dating a guy. And it was a lot for me to like date a guy. And from the beginning, I was like, I have a child. Like, this is my priority. You're always going to be number two. You know, you have the whole talk with them. And they're so enthusiastic at first. I don't think, oh, I think that's so admirable, blah, blah, blah. He was great for about eight weeks. Now, mind you, my, um, I just want to preface this by saying my feelings about this aren't about him because I, I liked him fine, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a love connection. So I don't regret how it ended, but the way he ended, it was so abrupt. I, we had dated for a few months. We got to a point. He wanted to meet my son. I allowed that. It wasn't like a big formal thing. It was, and we were like tailgating. Of course it was a normal game. And like a few days after that, you know, we had like had many dates together. The last thing I thought was going to happen was that that would be an issue. And he's like, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I'm, I'm at a time in my life. I really need to date regularly. And you having a son, we can't go on dates all the time. 
So I just, I really need something else. <laughs> like, again, this was not a love connection. So I wasn't heartbroken. I was mad though. I was annoyed by it because again, it takes so much more effort for a parent to bring someone outside into, you know, this mm-hmm. and, and shout out your wife, Jacqueline, by the way, this wonderful woman, just in general, I just love her and she's, she's come the on the best. podcast, but like, that's a, a really intense thing. And to just take that and be like, mm, I don't know. I mean, you have a kid, so we can't go on dates. <laughs> it's just the dumbest thing. And that's kind of what happens at the end. It's not in the same way, Except but Jake does the worst. He does the worst, the worst thing, thing in that he, he entrenches himself in their life. He's going to soccer games. He soccer makes, games. and Paula says the thing in the cop car, when she goes to see him, you made my kid fall in love with you. Yep. Some and then, and then suddenly we're supposed to believe in a happy ending five minutes later. And it's a tough, like he does a terrible, terrible, terrible thing, like terrible, a horrible thing, like leaves a little bit of wreckage in his path between like, yeah, Adam Scott's character sucks, but like his, his wife is, you know, he traumatizes a child. Yeah. I mean, we can presume that he, Adam Scott probably did not see that child get born because of yeah. because of that altercation and then the thing with Paula and it's just like you know 2 minutes later it's like he's calling Laney and like yeah you know we're meant to think that they should be getting together but i mean i think i mean might as well throw the question out there is this movie better if he just ends up with Paula and Laney does medical school in Michigan and they can like come to some sort of agreeable hey we got each other through this time I don't know if the movie's better necessarily just based on like storytelling and the way things need to finish because people would have been very bummed if it ended with them being apart. But like real life, why would you bring in a character that's so likable, that has so much at stake, who gave him every objection in the world to tell him like, I'm not comfortable with this. And he manipulated that. And like you said, he went to his soccer games. He had Jason Manzoukas at his soccer games, called him a whirling dervish. Like it was a whole thing. It's just the cruelest thing. And I think, you know, again, looking back on when I saw this movie, mind you, I had Jack, but I wasn't like dating. He was a baby. I wasn't thinking about being a single mom in that sense of like juggling things. I was just trying to get through the day. And as years have gone on, I'm like, this is the worst thing to happen. And ultimately, it's not even about like who he should have chosen. The stupid thing is that why didn't he choose Lainey to begin with? Mm-hmm. I just think the whole thing's bullshit. Like, why does it take you? Same with when Harry met Sally. It should not have taken you that long to realize what was good for you. Yeah. And we love these movies when they happen to wait around and oh, we're together now. I don't think in my life, and I, I can't speak for everyone, of course. I don't know if I have the patience for somebody to pop up after years of like kind of sucking me dry of friendship and everything else to be like, okay, you can just come in. You should have known this years ago. Mm -hmm. I think if the movie had a chance to, if, if Paula had not had a kid and we had not just had that scene of like Jake kind of growing and, and, and making positive strides in his life if they had just been like dating even like casually and they're out to lunch and he has that freak out and she gets in the cop car and she's just like you still you know you love your you love your best friend huh and and he's like yeah and she's like all right she knocks on the cop car she leaves like she wasted two months of her life but whatever the thing with the kid makes it a tragedy 
And that's where, and that's, that's the big messed up there. I think. You're right. What is the best? So that's where we are. What do you go back (laughs) to in this movie? And you're like, that's, that's absolutely unequivocally my favorite. I love the birthday party scene. Um, I think it's great. Um, I love anything with Andrea Savage and Jason Manzoukas, which by the way, I've told Kyle this. If you have not watched, I'm sorry. It was, I think it's on Netflix. It was only on for two seasons. It's Andrea Savage, Jason Manzoukas, Tom Everett Scott, and that thing you do. Oh, shit. Did you not know that, by the way? Yeah, he's her husband. Oh, okay. Well, that's. It's amazing. I have have Tom Everett Scott season tickets. Like, Okay, see? So it's a TV show. It came out a few years ago. She and Tom Everett Scott are this wonderful in love couple. They are raising their daughter who's in kindergarten. And Andrea Savage is a comedy writer. I promise I'm going to come back to the topic. Here's what I love about this show, though. When a woman typically in media is a comedy writer or any sort of writer, like kind of eccentric creative, they make her out to be bad at something. She's either a bad wife or a bad mom or bad. She's a wonderful mom. <laughs> she's a wonderful wife. Like and by that, I mean, she's a great partner. They're great partners together. They have a great relationship. It's an, it's a wonderful show. And Jason Mizukis is her writing partner. And so anything Andrea Savage is in, I love. So yeah, anything they're in, I love, but I do think the birthday party is really good. The scene where they're on the couch eating ice cream and she's like, Alison Brie is like, do you think it's weird that you call me? <laughs> it's kind of really funny. Do you think it's weird that you call me baby? You treat me like I'm your girlfriend, even though I'm not your girlfriend. And he totally dodges it. And it's, it's not that it's the best scene, but it's very realistic. I think that one, that one definitely. Yeah. Cause it's like, come on, like how long are we going to, you can't just use somebody as an emotional scratching post essentially. So I love that, but I think the birthday party for sure. And I'm trying to think if there's something else. I also you like could also argue for the end credits where it's just Manzoukas oh, and Andrew Savage just like waiting the for dancing. them at the city hall. Yes. I think that's very smart. Um, and this isn't a scene. This might, well, it's also not a best quote when they're on their first actual date and they're eating Chinese food and he calls her psychotic. And there's this line she makes fun of him. She's like, Oh, well, I guess I'm psychotic. He's like, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, Ted Bundy (laughs) kind of just lured those women (laughs) and you have to have a certain way about you. (laughs) It's very Sudeikis. And so I like anytime that he comes out, but yeah. We can kind of roll best scene into best quote. Cause like I would say the birthday party is the best scene, but special honorable mention for the sex therapy. And it's just like for best quote to everything Billy Eichner says, just like that 30 seconds <laughs> might be the best part of the movie might be the best scene. Best quote. It's amazing. It's a sale on free asshole. It's so good. <laughs> I love it so much. No. Yes. I think that whole scene is great. Um, for best quote, I'm still going with I love you for free. It's why I have it written by my desk. It is. I- that's the best quote of the movie because it's that. And then there's like Sudeikis quips. Like he calls Matthew the Pontiac Aztec of people. Yes. And that's, I love that's... when he's like, what does he say? Imagine. Oh, what is it? Something like people who have never heard music and you promise them John Lennon, you give them John Popper. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Blues Traveler, though. Shout out Blues Traveler. Like, you can't compare them. Like, Blues no. Traveler was great in their own right. He also, when he runs into Laney after the sex therapy, he says, I'm on Facebook. What a weird thing to say out loud. I know. 
I know. And I, I do love when they're trying to decide on their not safe word, but like their code word for this is getting too sexual. It's like noodle salad. It's like, that's not a thing. It's like, uh, yes, it is. It's when a bunch of flaccid dicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's classic Sudeikis. So you can appreciate that. But I think, you know, ultimately like there's so many bad things about the movie, but I do think that there are some moments of good writing mm-hmm. and the, I love you for free is huge. I just think it's something we have to carry with us. Like life isn't fair. And it's not even about romantic relationships. Think about parenting relationships, about not even if you have children, but with your own parents or grandparents or guardians, you love them for free. Your family can be assholes. Mm-hmm. Your kids can be assholes. <laughs> like you don't love them to the extent that they treat you great all the time or that they love you back equally all the time. That's what unconditional means. And I just absolutely love that. So the, I love you for free quote. It's such, it's funny in a movie with so many flaws that we've been pointing out. And like that quote is such an elevated piece of writing and like fits in a rom-com that would fit in a, when Harry met Sally or you've got mail that you, you could slip that in and that, that fits in effortlessly. It's a really interesting how like, it, it's like just a piece of gold in this movie that oh, they yeah. found. Like it's, it's really, really good. And I think, you know, going back to last week when I talked about, like, I think the simplest expressions of love are the best when he says like, I've been doing some thinking and the thing is I love you. I think it's like the same thing, but I I just think the message there is a lot of people have unrequited love and that's sad, but it doesn't have to be a tragedy. It can just be like, I love you for free. Like, even if you don't love me back, I'm still going to love you. That's fine. It's practical. Yeah. Let's take a quick ad break and then get back with most and least authentic. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so the the most and least authentic parts of this movie, um, authenticity essential in a rom com. We kind of talked about that last week. You have to you have to believe in a lot of aspects of this. This one, I think, struggles to find authenticity in a lot of ways. But I will say, there's it's very authentic. No one is more obnoxious than the anti monogamy bro. Like especially <laughs> after his girlfriend is harassing him for, you know, for <sighs> cheating on her, cheating on him with uh, with her best. I shouldn't say harassing. Rightfully, you know, getting him hit by a car. Yes. Uh, like no one is more obnoxious than the anti monogamy bro. Like if they were trying to make him unlikable, they picked the the single biggest trait that a person can have. Because yeah. they're, they're that's not like 
there are people who don't abide by don't abide by that like live their life in a different way like by by all means but like the the absolute the out loud like people aren't meant to be you know people don't want monogamy i don't want monogamy you don't want monogamy like shut the fuck up like, no one ca- no one cares no one cares i agree with that i like let people live is the biggest yeah. thing and a lot of people don't and that's fine but people do and it's like me, like i'm always making people mad on twitter not mad that's exaggerating look and i know this is a hot take i know i'm gonna get tweets about this i'm just i'm 35 and i've lived alone for a long time i know i may never get married i know if i do i want separate bedrooms not to say i don't want to have a lot of sex i think sex is great very into sex I just want to go to sleep after though. And I want to sleep well. And, <laughs> and I'm, I've tweeted about this before and people are like, you're a monster. You don't, there's so much intimacy, blah, blah, blah. I'm not doubting it. And I'm not saying I don't like cuddling or anything. Love it. I'm just a very ornery sleeper. And so for me, I'm like, it's not even about the bedrooms as it is about being in a situation where people are willing to bend for the sake of the relationship being okay. Right. Cause if I don't get my sleep, I'm just mad all the time and I don't yeah. want to be that way. And so, you know, like that's, that's my whole thing. And, but I, I'm also not a person that says everybody needs to do this. I understand why people want to be intimate and say, I just, I can't do it. I'm too old. Been alone for too long, Kyle. And I've been on <laughs> my own bed. I want to keep my own bed. You spend most of the time in your bed sleeping and not banging it out bang it out wherever you want people i'm like team bang it out believe me but then go to sleep get your sleep yeah get, but, getting sleep is important you gotta have but i don't like think that's every super big bed yeah it's it's not everyone. and that's the thing that that's where jake in that scene is just like no you don't want monogamy like it just i'm yes. that's the there's uh there, there's so many so many movies where that guy is like uh i i go back to a rom-com that i <laughs> I love very much. I think I might be like the only person on this hill. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past with uh with Matthew McConaughey and Jennifer Garner. It's essentially uh, it. a, it's essentially a Christmas Carol, but it's Matthew McConaughey <laughs> playing a uh, a complete womanizer who then like learns the errors of his ways via like the Ebenezer Scrooge route. Um, totally. Guess what? Put. Put that one on your list for later this year because we're, okay. we're doing that movie. I, I love that movie, but he's he's kind of the same way. It's just it's very much a, a rom com trope. Um, there's one other thing in this movie that's really really authentic is uh, Jason Sudeikis. Jake has uh, he has sex with the attractive woman. The one one who calls him is like, "Why haven't we had sex yet?" And then they have sex, yes. and then they hit the pillow, and he goes, "Did you?" Uh, and she goes, "No." And that very realistic. Very very realistic. Uh, did you have anything for most authentic in this movie? I think like, even though they don't say it outright, I think it's clear when Jake and Lainey lose their virginity to each other, that that's going to be a shit show. Yeah. I think it's very clear that probably ended within seven seconds. I was about, I was about to say, yeah, they're not on that couch for too long. They're not on that couch. And it's on like a skeezy couch on a rooftop. And, you know, even like, I do think Jason was very good at the way he like approaches her. He doesn't know how to touch her. And he's like, you know, I mean, too many shows and movies glamorize losing your virginity is like this amazing thing. And, and I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying it's, it shouldn't be special. So don't, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is even if it's special, it's awkward and weird and it hurts. And like it's not a pretty thing. It's like, 
we have to get through this and it can be like a loving experience. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like if it's a loving experience, it's not weird or it doesn't hurt. Like it's losing your virginity. It's like, there's a physical thing that has to happen. And I enjoy when movies and shows show that it's never great. It's not meant to be great. Nobody loses their virginity and has like, I mean, have you ever, have you ever known anyone that's like, well, this one time like I lost my virginity and had the best orgasm of my life. It's been, it's been the, it's, it's never been topped. It's never happened. First time. Like no one, like even obviously like the men typically finish, but even they're not saying like that was the best ever. It's like, no, it's. But like, I will say they're telling all their buddies it was the they best They are, ever. and that's fine. But in, I just remember like, you know, the shows that were on in my youth, like Dawson's Creek and, um, what else what are the other like youth shows? I can't remember. They all just glamorized it to being this thing. And I think we need more things showing. Sometimes it happens on a skeezy couch with a guy you kind of like, but maybe don't. And that's fine. Or with a guy you literally just met, like, <laughs> like lady. You know how it happens. You know how it goes. Um, and it's not pretty and life is messy and it can still be fine and it can still be memorable sacred to you if you want it to be that but you can tell like that wasn't a mind-blowing thing or they would have ended up together the fact that they did that and then didn't see each other again for 10 years you know yeah yeah what is uh what is the least realistic or least authentic part of this movie least authentic there's a little bit to pick from I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. I already kind of touched on mine though, with like how comfortable Jake was in the dorm. Like, yes. when when Lanny comes in, like, just there's no way, mm-hmm. there's there's no way you're that that smooth, that comfortable with a woman in your room. I go back to what I said that I don't believe any like late twenties, early thirties woman is clueless about how to have an orgasm. I don't believe That's- that. That's a good one too. There are certainly people who like, and I'm not, this isn't me. I don't know. I'm always afraid that I'm going to come across being like sexually elitist. I don't mean it that way. I mean, come on y'all from Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not some mover and shaker. I just think in our generation, in our society, with all the things we have at our disposal, it's odd to think that a woman that age would have no clue how to make it happen. That's all. And need to rely on Adam Scott to make it happen with his with his creep mustache. And I don't believe that's really what the least realistic thing is. So what I mean, yeah. So what I'm saying is like the whole masturbation scene, how she's like, I just don't do that. I don't believe if you've had orgasms during sex, especially if that you're not masturbating. And if you're not, that's fine. It's just unrealistic. I don't believe like in that scene with her and Adam Scott. And like, it's a hot scene. Don't get me wrong. There is no way in hell. There is no way in hell she had an orgasm from that. There's no way. Sorry, going on the record, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have one that that it might be really authentic, but I need you to verify for me. Okay. <laughs> I oh, felt no. like it was very authentic that no, and this is this is byproduct. We talked about this last week of you living in New York City. I thought it was very authentic that New York City drivers didn't give a fuck that someone was in the middle of the street. Oh yeah, no. That was yeah. I love when he gets dinged on his elbow before he gets hit too. Like, yeah, no, that was pretty realistic. It's easy to forget that they're in New York throughout the movie, though, which is a weird thing to say. That's something I wanted to ask you. We uh, we talked about last week, again, just going back to the, the when Harry met Sally parallel, about New York City being a character in that movie. 
and mm-hmm. it being a character and you've got mail and movies like that. It didn't feel like New York City. They were in New York City, but it didn't really feel like it was a character. Exactly. Like that was the thing. The city wasn't a character in the movie. They were there. But when you see like how far they sprawl, they're in the park and they're in like Brooklyn and everything. Like it's just, yeah, which is fine. You don't have to make the city a character every time, but it's interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. So what I, I think we've harped a lot on it. What worked? What are what are aspects of this movie that that did work? Well, no, I don't know. Guess I'm questioning everything. It does have the uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme, like the pointing at the screen, because uh, she says, "So you sabotage it by sleeping with other people." Title yes. in the title in the movie. Love that. I love that. I was just talking <laughs> Caroline, friend of the pod, um, earlier today. <laughs> we were talking about Hallmark movies, and we're gonna do some like quiz thing on the site about like, can you guess? between the real titles and the fake titles. And we That's brought for up the win for all you people who forgot. <laughs> um, you know, there's that one movie called never kiss a man in a Christmas sweater. And did you ever see that by the way? Classic. No, I, flick. I can't believe it. I, I missed it. I must've missed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I watched half of it. I guess it was two years ago. This is why they called it that. There's one scene where the main character and her best friend are sitting in the kitchen. And the best friend goes, well, you know what mama always said? You never kiss a man in a Christmas sweater. <laughs> and they never mention it again. That is the only mention. <laughs> and that is why it's called that. And that's how I feel about that scene. So you just do that. I, I, yeah, I love it when they when they get the line in the movie. So I did she end up, did the woman end up kissing a man in a Christmas sweater? Or like yes. literally just didn't have anything related to the movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, he wore a Christmas sweater, but it was oh, also okay. like Christmas good. time. It was cold. Yeah. Who isn't yeah. wearing a sweater at that time of year? Yeah, that's a good point. You got to have, a, <laughs> I mean, everyone needs a good Christmas sweater. Um, we true. talked about the casting in this one, like elite. A, not, a, not a misbeat. We even, we were talking before we recorded, one of the minor players and the, the guy who was the waiter during the breakup scene was in only murders in the building and in spotlight and was great in both dramatic role in spotlight, very funny role in only murders, like great actor. And he's just a waiter in this movie. Like it, I mean, every scene, every time they introduce someone, it's like, Holy shit. That's Adam Brody. Holy shit. It's Amanda Pete. Holy shit. It's Jason Manzoukas. Holy shit. It's Andrews Havage. Like incredible, incredible stuff. Like all the way down, like the Natasha Leone part. And I, I know, Natasha Leone had had some struggles and kind of had to work her way back into Hollywood. It wasn't like she was just like straight up dynamite, like sure. you know, because like now she's had you know she's had that that Netflix show or something. I think that was really successful, and she did her stint on Orange Is New Black, and she's 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 got it back. But yes. even like even having that is kind of like this random throwaway is like her, I guess like lesbian best friend. Like she's Natasha Leone is incredible and they have her in a very minor role in this movie. Like I know really, really crazy how they were able to kind of band all that together. Yeah. It's weird. And like part of, I don't know the timeline of when she and Fred Armisen got together. Um, but a lot of that, like, I just think it might've been due to like SNL connections, but I don't, I don't want to say that because I may be wrong, but Natasha Leone, incredible. Love her. Incredible. I think in just like Andrea Savage and Jason Manzoukas, Again, you get anybody else to play these characters. I'm not watching this movie seven years after the fact, even if I hate watch it. But they were but at the time. I mean, think about it. like Sudeikis wasn't big. He had left SNL like three years before. 
Um, Allison Brie, was Community still on then? I think was Community was still going, or it was was kind of on the on the downswing. Yeah, and so you have a lot of at the time they were kind of even Jason Manzukis wasn't big back then. He was like big among people like us who watched, that, and that's the thing. He kind of still is just kind big. of yeah. Or people among us, like people like we know, like you know stuff, but like Jason Manzukis, there hasn't been the Manzukis vehicle yet. Yes. Like at some point there's going to be some, even like a mini series that's just the G, like a Jason Manzukis vehicle and it's going to, and then everyone's going to experience what, what we've all experienced for the past 15 years. <laughs> Finally, people will catch up on what we've known all along. He would have been fucking awesome in Hot Rod. <laughs> He would have been so good in Hot Rod. See what happens. It's true. It's true. Okay, so what didn't work about this one? I, I have another I question we've covered for you. A lot. Yeah. Is there a worse place to tell someone that you have cheated on them sixteen times than a restaurant? <laughs> I mean, God bless her, and I love her little notebook. And I, love, she when she says, "I've been in rehab." She's very serious. She's like I'm in rehab for love addiction. <laughs> Adam Brody. One of the best performances of his life. He's like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> love addiction? You might as well face it. You're addicted to love. What is he? <laughs> Huey Lewis. And she's like, no. <laughs> it's so good. Um, no, it's brilliant. And just that entire scene, I think, is some of the best writing in the movie. Because it's like I said earlier. <laughs> he's like, how many times? 16 times. I don't even know 16 <laughs> I was kind of disappointed that we didn't see him again because he's he's just he's on fire. So good. Scene. He's like, whose juices have I tasted? I want to know his juice. <laughs> Is it my brother? And she's like, no, it's not your brother. And he means like, what's wrong with my brother? Who's so hot that you wouldn't fuck my brother? <laughs> it's great. I love why that. haven't we gotten like, why hasn't it totally come together for him as like, Where's his movie? You know? I know. Did you watch the show? I hate to like beat a dead horse. Did you watch the show Single Parents? I did not watch this. It was that that was a network comedy show, right? On ABC and it was wonderful. Okay. And yeah. So he so he secured the bag there. He doesn't need his movie. He got that well, network. I don't I don't know if he secured anything, but he so his wife, Leighton Meester, is that how you pronounce her name, by the way? Yes. Okay. She was the main character on that show. And it turned out like in the second season, I think it canceled after that, that he, who's her real life husband was the father of her child. And he like came back at the end. So talented. I have no idea. He might yeah. be, I don't know. A lot of these people, like they get into producing and stuff and, and just writing. And they, it's like I said, if I could quit my, I love my job. So let's get that on the record. But if I knew I could make consistent money as a Hallmark writer and no, you could, you wouldn't even have to credit me. I would not need a writing credit. Just give me the money for it. I would do it. It's a steady living. It would be so much fun too. So much fun. I would I would love to write a Hallmark movie. Oh my God. Exactly. So on on the Adam Brody subject, the the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. We've had some tough, tough, tough movies on this show of like picking a best supporting character. This one, like we said, there's Brody, there's Billy Eichner. Brody and Billy Eichner, one scene each, both going for it. Like Brody Brilliant. with the whose juices have I tasted thing. Eichner goes for it hard. 
Manzukas and Andrew Savage, like that tag team, I like them more than anyone else in this movie. Like I want more of them together. One hundred. Adam Scott, like one of the great rom com villains ever. Shocking too, because he, everything else he plays. Well, I mean, he's played some assholes before, but not on that level. Did you ever see Friends with Kids? No. I, okay. I've seen Friends with Benefits. I've not. Yeah. Seen Friends with Kids. <laughs> All these movies are the same. It's like something with something else. It's Adam Scott. John Hamm, John Hamm's ex-wife, I can't remember her name right now. Um, Maya Rudolph, Kristen Wiig. Another movie that's kind of obscure, like under the radar like this, but it won't make you as mad probably. Um, he's played some like, I mean, and look at The Good Place. It's not that Adam Scott hasn't played bad guys. This is just on another level because he's creepy and he's got a little mustache and glasses and he's cruel. Like he's openly cruel because he knows he can control her. Yeah. I mean, it's he compelling, is though. He's so, yeah, yeah. But it's a compelling performance, though. I hate it, but like, you pay attention to it because you're like, there are people like this out there where they're so obsessed with the power they have over another person they can't let it go. Hold that thought, because when we get to how to improve it, I've got some. Um, okay. But with with the pinch hitter Amanda Pete, just just a, just a rocket, just a queen. Uh, Natasha Leon, who's the best supporting character in this movie? I'm going with the tag team of Andrea and Jason. That that is mine as well. Uh, honorable mention to Amanda Peet, who's sure. fantastic, but fair. But so good. Um, do you consider the "I love you for free" a big chill moment? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The like, whole scene this where, one. yeah, when she's like, "How?" Well, I don't want to get the quote wrong. Doesn't she say like, "Are we in love with each other?" Or do we love each other or something like that? That. That whole scene is just like, what are you doing, you idiots? Mm-hmm. What is keeping yeah. you from? That's dumb. It's got us like rocking our TVs. Like, come on. Yeah. You don't have distance. You don't have like any real reason to not be together. Why wouldn't? Oh, we don't want to risk the friendship. Come on. Just just go for it. It's interesting because with when Harry met Sally, they don't really they don't ever broach it in person. They're just kind of like, we're doing this as friends. Like, we're talking as friends. This one, they keep bumping up against that wall. Yep. Like, they just keep going up against it. They acknowledge it and everything like that. It's not... Harry and Sally aren't really having to make excuses to each other about why they aren't doing this. Like, uh, Harry has to kind of... He has a conversation with Jess at the batting cage, and they kind of talk about it. But he's just like, we're talking as friends. And that this one, they just... They keep... Basically, they constantly talk about why they aren't a couple, which I just I don't think would happen one way or another. I think they would either get together and they would be like, fuck this. We can't talk anymore. Yeah. Especially because they're together all the time. It's not as if there's not as if there's another barrier separating them. Exactly. I mean, it's just bullshit. (laughs) It's It's like, it's just so for how to improve it, because this one, again, great cast. You you it would be very hard to make this cast happen again seven years later that good that talented that big um you know what like what would you do to take this one up a notch because it's got the bones to do i mean crude when harry met sally is that that works i think and i know it's tropey but I think you have to give them the compelling reason for why they're not together it can't be a question for viewers whether it's one of them in a relationship or like even with, when Harry met Sally, they were coming out of relationships. She still had to get over Joe. He was getting over Helen. 
there was some reasoning there. It wasn't just, mm. oh no, we can't have sex mousetraps. <laughs> like, it's just a silly premise. I think if they had strengthened that to whether it was like, I mean, I've been watching, I've been rewatching a lot of old shows that I love lately to try to lower my stress. That's another podcast. But The Office has been something I've been kind of marathoning lately. Again, with Jim and Pam, you had to have Roy to create the tension. It couldn't just be, oh, they're friends who kind of like each other. That's frustrating. It's exhausting. It's like, do something about it. You need a real barrier, whether it's distance or relationship or something or somebody who doesn't feel the same way. You could go the grease route where it's like different priorities. Like maybe one of them is like my next, I am like, I want to settle down and want to have kids. It doesn't matter which one it is, but one of them has just different priorities. And that's why, well, I'm not right for you. You're not right for me. Yada, yada, yada. And they realize like at the end, it's like, I want what you want. You want like, and I want you and I do whatever. Yep. And then, you know, one of them turns into, you know, starts wearing a lot of leather. (laughs) You know, you're the one that I want plays. (laughs) Go. And now it's on. That's true. Yeah, I just think you solidify that reason somehow. Then I can buy into it more. But Mm -hmm. other than that, it's just silly. And it's like pride and ego and not even an interesting way. So I need them doing more stuff like the birthday party or like I need them doing more stuff. Like I don't want to be like prude guy here, but I need them doing more stuff that does not involve sex, does not involve them going to shop for lingerie. Like that shit exactly. doesn't fucking happen. Like, that doesn't happen. Nobody does that. Yeah. Like, like, I don't do that with my girlfriends. I they, don't do that like, on my own. A scene of them going out to like they have the scene where they they he first they first meet Manzukas. Like they they go out to the bar where she thinks it's a date. Sudeikis doesn't realize it, but like more scenes of them going out to bars, going out to restaurants. Like that was the thing. Again, that was where we saw Harry and Sally singing Surrey with the fringe on top. We need to see something like that. We need, those were the hallmarks of that movie. It wasn't, it wasn't just the, um, you know, the fake orgasm scene in the diner. It wasn't them just talking about men and women can't be friends because the sex gets in the way. It was them singing on a karaoke machine. It was them walking around the Met doing funny voices. It was them talking about other stuff in their lives. We need to know, we need to know why she didn't go to med school. Yep. And we need to know when he's signing the contract with, you know, him and Manzukas are signing the contract for Amanda Pete with Amanda Pete's company. He says something about like, will we, you know, the content we had, like what's yep. going to happen to that? It's where's the content? Like we're content. Where's the people. content? It's where, an what are they doing with this content? That's important. <laughs> we don't know anything. He just randomly sells this business for $5 million. We don't know anything about it. Like we yeah. need to know something about these people. And I think yeah. that's important. Or you take the comedy out of this one and it becomes like a dark psychological movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. And it's, well, and it's about, it's about two kind of broken people. Uh, you, Adam Scott's character goes full sociopath. Oh God. Um, she, you know, she's in this traumatic relationship. The thing with, you know, it, maybe it ends. It's funny. He references the graduate. I don't know how we haven't referenced that, but he's, you know, know. Elaine, Elaine, Elaine. The end of the graduate is not a happy ending. If yeah, like they're not sure about this. Yeah, that could have that could have been it. Like that could have been them sitting on a bus. Like that would have been interesting. They go that route and they're sitting on a bus, and he's like, "Did I just ruin both like 
Paula's life and her kid's life that I just do something horrible. Is this yeah. right? Like what is going on? Like you could do that with the movie. Yeah. You could do a lot with it. I mean, I mean, I think there's a reason why would I bring this movie up to people who like, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> I don't think anyone's like pretending that it's good. I think it's shocking to look back on it now and just, I mean, there's plenty of shitty movies that I love. Don't get me wrong. I, they don't even have complete stories. This one though, I do agree. I think if you had made a few adjustments, it could have been really mm-hmm. okay. Maybe not the greatest, but when you don't have that motivation solidified in any story, and even as a journalist, like if I'm writing a feature and I've got to weave a story out of it, I don't want to just write a story about a bunch of things that have happened to a coach or a player, right? I need some motivation. I need some sort of like line to draw through it and say, this was their dream, or this was like what got them to point from point A to point B. You don't have that here. And so it's just two people being silly and well off and like nothing really matters. I mean, he sells his company for $5 million. He's got an office. We don't know what he does. The only time we see him at work, he's just goofing off. He's throwing a tennis ball against the wall. Yeah. We don't even know. Like you just, you have to have some investment. Why should I care about these characters getting together? Because the biggest emotional investment, honestly, is with Amanda Pete Mm -hmm. and her son and her saying like she objected. She was not jumping into that. She said, I'm divorced. I have a son. She brought him into their lives. I mean, that's the investment that got broken. And we're supposed to be like, well, remember what he said about how when he he doesn't like the person he sleeps with? <laughs> like, that's not going to work. It's not enough. Last category before more restore prequel, sequel, remake, sequel, where Paula meets a Ted Lasso like character and her friends are Jason Manzukas and Andrea Savage. And they're like talking through it. She's damaged because of the shitty relationship. She meets a guy like Ted Lasso. She goes to England and actually dates Ted Lasso. And she's doing Zoom calls with Manzukas and Andrew Savage and talking through it. Take my money. I will dump what's in my wallet for that. I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm laughing for a lot of reasons, but mainly I forget who did it. But someone tweeted in response to the When Harry Met Sally podcast. And it's like, it took y'all, what was it, like 36 minutes to mention Ted Lasso? And that's amazing. <laughs> I agree. Um yeah, I mean that's fine. I can't imagine remaking it. I can only I can imagine like editing it, improving it. I can't imagine being invested in their story before or after. I think it's a one-off. I think it's one of those that's like if you want to see attractive people flirt with each other, this is a great movie for you. Yeah. But I mean, the main test of this movie is like, hey, if you put a bunch of great actors and some people yes. with incredible charisma in a movie that doesn't entirely work, are you going to watch it? And are you going to come away thinking that you're you might watch it again? The answer is yeah. 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 And that's fine. If you like Sudeikis and you like Allison Brie, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's got moments. But it's it's a mess. It's even it's messy for real life. Even real life isn't always that. Me- it's not that polished and messy. Like you would just, no, maybe when you're younger, I remember being younger and stupid at this age, I would not put up with anybody in this movie. They're too messy and they're too like, just get out of here. Go figure out your life. Except for Manzoukas and Andrew Savage. Those are, yeah, that's, those are like now watching this as an adult, like those are the parent friends you dream of having. Cause like once you have kids, like, especially like, 
like us, a little younger when we had our kids, like it's hard to find those parent friends you vibe with. And like, it is. if you find a Manzukas and a Savage, you never let them go. I agree. Totally that's, agree. That's how we watch rom-coms now. It's not about the, it's not about the relationship. <laughs> it's about the, the friends. We want to okay. find the adult friends. We're going to come back with the next two rom-coms. The next nope. two rom-coms are heat. No parent stuff. Heat is in we're literally <laughs> doing heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. No. Um, yeah, we've we've got to without without spoiling them, because again, folks, if you wanna if you wanna know, either join the Patreon or just like look at our tweets, because I think we've tweeted them out. But <laughs> the next the next two we're talking about are two of my favorite you're gonna be a first time viewer of one, which I'm very yes, excited about. I know. That rarely happens for me. Very, very excited about that. Alex, <laughs> as always, this was great. We are halfway through Romcom month. Tell the folks, where can they follow you? Uh, you follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Alex McDaniel, and you can follow my amazing staff at For the Win at ftw.usatoday.com. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash sports. Like I said, we are halfway through Rom-Com Month. Two more great ones coming at you the rest of this month. We'll see you next Monday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.